Hi, I'm Farah from Cedar Film Renovations Improvements Inc. And you're listening to SME Stories Podcast. You are now listening to the next great small business podcast. Welcome to the SME Stories Podcast, where it is all about small businesses in Canada. And here's your host, Ken Alfred. Everybody, thanks for downloading the show. Today, we got a great episode with Farah Lee from Cedarstone Reno, who's part owner and administering director. Cedarstone Reno is a general contracting company co-founded by, by Farah and her husband, Joseph Lee. From years of working at his father's home hardware store at College in Spadina in downtown Toronto, Joe developed a great knowledge base with hands-on experience through the Home Hardware Install Service Program. By 2016, Farah motivated Joe to start their own small business and take on more and bigger projects. They are now a team of five, and growing, while always learning along the way. I met Farah back in 2008-2009. In my first episode, I mentioned that as a personal trainer who owned a private practice, to save lease costs, I would actually work with personal training studios, renting time to conduct private sessions with my clients. At this particular studio, Farah and a few others who were co-op students is how we met. They're happily married with two young children who have some interesting stories that need to be heard. So sit back and absorb. All right, guys, we have Farah Lee from Cedarstone Renovations. Farah, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing okay, living the dream as always. So you ready to go? Ready to answer all 100 billion questions we have for you today? Oh gosh, I'll, I'll try my best. <laughs> of course, okay. All right, Cedarstone Renovations. What's your story? Well, basically, we are a renovation company that is based in downtown Toronto. So Joseph Lee, he's my husband and partner in this business. We started it in 2016. Now it started a fairly long history. His father has a hardware store at College in Spadina. So he's been in the field of just home renovations, home improvement, that sort of thing. That's when he decided that, you know, start something else on his own. And we started off with, I'm a dental hygienist as well. So we started off with some renovations, cabinet install for one of the dentists that I worked for. And then we started there, started growing in the decks and fences, that basements, kitchens and bath. And now we're doing a whole home and a commercial properties as well. Wow. That's a lot of, that's a lot of stuff to cram in and just what, since 2016, knowing how everything is going now. So that's great. So basically how, what makes your business successful right now? Just word of mouth people have made it successful. I would say, yeah, uh, learning along the way and education, the knowledge base, getting information from other people within industry, people helping us out, whether it be my father-in-law, my mother taking care of the kids. so that it gives me the time, it frees up my time from my own day job to spend the time researching, talking to accountant, other business owners, how to run the business, what I need to do to get things running, talk to clients. Yeah, that's the key thing, I would say. Yeah, no, I, I like the, the the first point you mentioned when you talked about trying to hard to work for family. I would say hard to work with family as well. Like I, I joke in, I, in my instance too, I know you've probably met my wife probably a long time ago, Mrs. K. At the time, I, I was a personal trainer and she was a physiotherapist. And I recall someone saying, oh, you guys can go into business together. Ken breaks them and she fixes them. I'm like, that's <laughs> probably not the reputation we want to have <laughs> where I literally break people. That's not a good image to try to market. 
But I, I find it funny, though. I, like I said, the fact that you and, and your husband can run this business successfully is, is a true testament to you guys. Because I know for my case, if my wife and I tried to work together, our personalities are very different to the point that we'd both try to strangle each other. I think the fact that I have my own work, she has her own work, is a good thing for us because otherwise we just drive each other nuts. And there'd be many right. sleepless nights of me on the couch where... <laughs> Because we would just be driving each other crazy. So I'm you glad get you... get the couch? <laughs> I would get the couch. We have a nice couch now. So maybe. I don't, I don't know if that's a bad thing. But no, I think it's true. I think it depends on the personality. And the fact that you guys are really good together, that uh, you can work together as business partners and not butthead too much where it affects your stuff outside the business. Because that's also important too. Is not just... The business is, is, is obviously very important since we're trying to build that. But making sure that the marriage also survives the business. We don't want that to have a dread. Because you heard that term divorce dust? No, I have not. But that is a term. Well, it's not really for owners. It's mainly it's something I've heard in the renovation space. Is divorce dust is basically when either the husband or the, the, the spouses almost get a divorce over a renovation, whether because it's not going very well. Let's say one really was pushing for it. The other one didn't want to push for it. Some problems occur. And they almost take out the frustrations of, oh, it's your fault that we did all this stuff and look at this stuff. And then it affects the marriage. Glad that's not happening with you guys, because obviously that'd be very tough. But yes, it would. <laughs> okay, so how do you run your... So right now you said you talked about a lot of word of mouth, which is really good. Uh, so how do you... Um, what kind of sales growth do you expect within this year? Because I think with everything being right now, it's uncertain in some cases, you know, especially we're in the COVID era where there's some businesses that are really shutting down, some are expanding or growing. So We're very grateful. We're on the, the, the luckier side, being in the renovation business where people are, you know, still working from home, sometimes still being stuck at home. So we do have a lot of uh, referrals and a lot of opportunity to continue to grow right now it's the, the demand is out there it's the supply that i'm having issue right now labor shortages i'm trying to hire more people we're a team of five right now uh, i'm still trying to add a couple more and also running a disposal service as well so we're trying to hire a driver yeah it's it's still growing i would say last year we tripled our sales from before oh wow so yeah, yeah. Also, with the pandemic, it had, it, and I also had more time to reflect on things. So I started to get more motivated and actually working <laughs> more. <laughs> Work more. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. So instead of using my time to find out where to, where's the next travel destination, <laughs> I've been using that time to answering more emails, more marketing, social media, those sort of things. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And so can you talk a little bit about the social media right now? What social media platforms do you use? Right now, well, we have Instagram. I, I try to update and upload something every other day, if possible. Hmm. You know, that the other battle I have with the guys are trying to get photos from them because I'm not always on job site and trying to get nice photos from them. So I do have a, a very good photographer who helps me take the finishing photos. The picture speaks about a thousand words. So there's that. Facebook, they're linked or on website and House has gotten us a lot more exposure as well. House uh, is? House is 
Think of it Uber for renovation. So they have all sorts of renovation companies listed on there and you can see a lot of pictures of their work. They're actually linked oh, to okay. a website as well too. So yeah. It's called House H O like that. Oh, okay. I'll have to look at that. This is one of the ones I never heard of. But okay, good to know. Good to know. Yeah. They they're like Pinterest too. There's a lot of pictures for inspiration. So that way you can see the kind of work, what kind of inspiration that you want to get for your own kitchen world okay no that's great to hear oh so obviously this part of the show is about really trying to help the the listeners they're trying to either want to build their own business or you know are they're on the borderline should i do anything right so should i want to get into this business and all that sort of stuff so i guess one of the things that uh, people want to know as well is that for a home renovation company like yourself, uh, what is like the biggest expense you guys have to do? Biggest, biggest expense? Probably it was um, setting up with all the equipment and tools. The, the tools and of, equipment. Yeah. What was the most expensive tool that you guys had to get for your business? Oh, from last year, we bought uh, a disposal bin truck, a whole lift truck. Oh, wow. So that, I guess that's uh, me. We were lucky we found something secondhand for 30 dollars and yeah, so for a truck and, and a bin, I think he he purchased from Best Tool, which is like a German tool company. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know all those fancy details exactly, but that saw was basically maybe like three, $4,000 for a saw. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, oh. So basically yeah. you can cut through the earth. That's what it sounds like. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much okay so what a, so just also another tap on expenses here what are some expenses like a home renovation company like yourself has to pay that probably not a lot of people like the average person doesn't know that liability insurance wsib all tax and that go through <laughs> taxes uh, yeah this, this disposal fee what else do i have well labor shortage like i mentioned payroll has gone up Quite a bit as well. Yeah. And gas and just delivery fees on, on such. Yeah. Okay. So you talk about, uh, yeah, that's a lot of different types of fees you guys have to pay. <laughs> okay, so yeah. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of people go into this thinking that, oh, okay. I got like, uh, I'll just buy a toolkit from Home Depot, offer myself to do some type of handyman service, then maybe rent out a few other things as well and try to do these type of jobs. But there's a lot more to it. Like you talk about, especially if you want to grow, you have to have a decent amount of staff. You're talking about WSIB and all these different insurances and taxes and fees and all that sort of stuff. It's not just, oh, okay, just you're going to pay me a few thousand dollars. I'll take it. And I'm going to pocket so much difference. And you're like, yeah, maybe the expenses are probably going to be more of higher than what you might expect. Yes. Absolutely. So now we're going to talk about the actual industry itself. So Fair, what is your opinion on the current home renovation industry and where do you think the direction is going? It is still on an upward trend. So definitely we're still in the labor shortage, material shortage. Back in, when was it? The last project that was the bath wall, we were, we were planning. So it takes me a good three months in advance to start planning, ordering all the materials ahead of time before we actually go into the job site to actually start working on their homes. So we tried calling Moen for a bathtub in July and they, at that time, they didn't have anything available in, like until December. So we always have to prospect that. Yes, wow. <laughs> we have this prospect that, that 
timing for Wait, December of 2022. That's when they'll actually have it oh, in, or no. this is from last year. No, no, it was from last year. Oh, okay, yeah. so I was going to say. I'm like, no. oh. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so the project we were talking about it in June, July time, and it wasn't until December 2021. That was the time. Yeah. So what are the so? Now, this is a question I want to know. Back, uh, I don't know, during the early part of the pandemic, uh, maybe on 2020, 20, maybe 2021, there was always this fear of the cost of lumber going up. So the prices yes. were going up, like you couldn't go to Home Depot and find good wood. But I guess for you guys being contractors, home renovation, you need a certain quality of wood. So you can't just grab any wood off the shelf, depending on what you need, depending on the job. So yes. aside from the wood price fluctuations, what other price fluctuations did you notice in your materials that you use to run your business? That went up and down that for some reason just or just went up that you're like, normally it's this price and now it's three times as much for the same Trims. trim pieces like the baseboard and the crown molding. Yes. Yes. Those really? ones we had maybe, I don't know, two handful of it and it cost good five, six hundred dollars. <laughs> so uh, a wool wainscoting costs so much more now for material. Because everyone's doing shiplap or wainscoting in their homes. So the, the demand is very high up there. And the other difficulty that we had was the other difficulty that we had was the quantity. So at the early times, at like the beginning of 2021, for like a moderate to smaller project, he would have to go to multiple Home Depots to pick up materials oh the right amount of quantity for the material oh wow that, yes, oh, that's really they don't have uh everything in stock they, they don't stock a whole lot on their shelves they don't order that much so even for contractors who normally get the better price versus the average homeowner that tries to go in and, and buy materials even still like was there like quantity limits on what you could get or was it they just literally whatever he grabbed that's all they could have that's literally all they had pretty much yes yes wow. we were working on a, a deck in May, June 2021, and Timber Tech is the brand name for composite deck material. And yeah, I think they, I'm familiar with them. Yeah. Yeah. They also had limited colors, limited supply. And at that time, they were telling me to order for March 2022. <laughs> they said all orders could not wait that long. <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, that That's really interesting to see how that is there. So, next question I got for you, Farah. So, what are the common, from the consumer's point of view, what are the common misconceptions you guys have when you're working with a client or when people try to contact you or when you're working with a client that for some reason they might have seen some of the old home renovation shows where people got scammed out of it? Is, is there, does that still exist at this point or is, you know, is it, are the consumers more trusting of contractors now? We still have some that are more skeptical. So for us, I do most of the talking. Okay. <laughs> so I explain to them, we will have a contract. We always work with a contract and we, we don't do any of those. Handshake uh, deals or, or not even, it's like elbow deals now because it's COVID. So you don't do yeah, elbow. Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't do any of those deals. I try to tell them, keep them up to date on what the timelines are, what materials need to be on delay and such. But of course, it's the communication. Basically, I have to make sure that they, I, I try to tell them ahead of time because if not, they get very upset and thinking that we're just taking their deposit and, and running away. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, just knowing when to tell them ahead of time. And I guess to my knowledge too. So when you work on, so if you and a client have agreed on a term and you, for whatever project it is, 
So is it once you guys get the deposit, that's when materials are ordered? So when you're talking about delays, it's more like you've already like the materials you ordered ahead of time because of supply chain, COVID, whatever. Is that what you're talking about? That could be a delay. So that's what you would communicate back to the client. So it's not just because some of them would be like, what do you mean? You didn't order it ahead of time and all those different types of questions you might have. So explain to me that process. Yeah, so usually we have, uh, say, depending on the size of the project, uh, 10 to 30% initial deposit. And I would use that deposit to order materials. And then know what had been ordered. I have spreadsheets that I Google share with them and let them know, okay, this is this and this has been ordered just so that I can track what I'm doing as well and tell them which date it should be arriving and, and such and such. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good tip, actually, because I think for majority of people, I don't know if they actually do anything like just that. Even a, like you said, a simple shareable spreadsheet. I'm like, OK, you've given me, let's say, 20,000. Here is the materials that we've ordered. Here's the pricing of it. Here's when it should be available so that the client itself can feel at ease that you're like, oh, OK, so you we know you ordered this. It's not like they give you the money and you disappear and then show up when you're supposed to start the job but they can actually see all everything that they're trying to look at. And obviously, you don't try to show them, here's the cost of screws and all that sort of stuff and drywall mud. It's literally just probably just like the vanities if it's a bathroom or just the, the big things that the client really wants to care about. Did you order the, the toilet that I looked at? Did you order the stove that I wanted to get for this kitchen job? Okay, no, that's really good. Exactly, yeah. I do try to have that get the clients involved for sure. Uh, they're the ones who choose the materials. There were times where if certain materials came in and it's not the right color, I don't like having that back and forth. She said, she said, it's all written down <laughs> right there. <laughs> you yeah. said black and you want white. So it's different now because this is the sheet. We said it was black. You wanted now you want something white. Okay. No, that, that's a great tool to use actually. So what right now for your business, what has been like your biggest failure but also what's been your biggest success so far biggest failure would be can you elaborate on that like in terms of just like yeah i usually try to i just i keep it open but basically let's say the biggest challenge you've had so far whether it's a job didn't turn out well or you were about to get land this big job and it didn't for whatever reason maybe because you can get the quote in on time Something like that. So something that as you've been running your business 2016, what's been the biggest stumbling block that you've had? Change orders. Change (laughs) orders. Oh, yeah. That's a big one. That's that's where we have lost. The first year we lost about $30,000. And it it was also, obviously, it's never just the the homeowner's fault. It was Joe's fault. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, no problem. Continue. (laughs) Yeah. So that's when I really had to step up and learn in that first year, okay, I have to be more, more, more involved in these projects and communicating with the clients because you can't just go there. Because a lot of times when you go to a job site, you expect that. There were many times that we expected that this would be an easy flooring job. And once we remove the existing tiles or flooring and what you, everything, all the the under padding is glued, it's cemented down. So now I need to, I need having to tell people, okay, we actually have extra cost and time required because we didn't anticipate that it was actually glued down. And like I mentioned before, there's a lot of projects. Fortunately, we do have uh, a lot of projects, but it's also time sensitive, especially if people were, they're closing and they want to move in, they end up living in a construction site. And I've been living in a construction site 
for the past eight years when it happens with a general contractor as a husband, nothing gets done in my own home. So I don't like having that done to other people's house. So I try to tell them to stay on track, getting the guys motivated to, to, to work. But sometimes with different sort of unexpected scenarios may come up and they need more time and to, to do certain things. That's one of the, the components. And then, like I mentioned before, the change orders. So that's one change order that is unexpected. And there's also change orders from homeowners changing their minds, for example, right. that they actually said they wanted black and now they want white. So then we would now puts me back to where three months ago that I was ordering the materials for you. Now you want me to change. Okay, then it might be another delay of two, three weeks because of supply chain issue. That that frustrates me a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what about your biggest success though? So we talked about some of the pain points you guys just pointed out in terms of discovering things in the middle of a job or just maybe at the beginning of the job that was unexpected. But what about some of the successes you had? So maybe you went into a job that you're thinking, okay, this is going to be really bad or not. That's really bad. Meaning that that's a horrible job. It's just that, okay, it's going to cost, it's going to take us this much effort, but then you start to work on it. You're like, oh, wow, everything seems to be flowing. We might actually finish this job early. Or you landed a really big job working for stuff, stuff like that. So what's been your biggest success? Yes, there are, there are times where I would present a certain proposal to certain clients and thinking that they won't go for it. And next thing you know, they send you a check. You know, it almost makes you wonder, I'm like, did I quote the job too low? Because they just already said yes. It's, yeah. If I said higher and then they said no, and then they agree on my price, then that's like a common negotiation tactic a lot of small business owners like to do as well. So, either quote mm-hmm. a job either really high and then start to work down or they would, it used to be an old sales thing that if you get a yes on the first offer, your price is too low. It's kind of interesting to see that you had a few successes, you had a bunch of successes where it's, you're trying to play maybe conservative, maybe even a higher value, and they said yes. No, that, that's really good to hear. Okay. Now it's time for tips from the pro. Okay, so now we got the tips from the pro segment, fair. So this is going to be for the listener that either wants to start their own home renovation company. So these are more mm-hmm. specific to you're in your space. So maybe you can give some aspiring small, small business owners slash uh, home contractors some tips that you guys can advise on. All right. Question number one, should I diversify my service offerings to attract a whole wide of clientele? Meaning that should we focus just on bathrooms? Should we just focus on basements? Should we just do decks or kitchens or should we just do everything when you start out? He still is a very well-rounded guy. So he did start like that. (laughs) And it was, I I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> you wouldn't recommend it, that. No, it's hard to manage to start. I would say, and you like he 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 did start from decks and fences first, and then he slowly worked his way towards. It, it came with time, but when you first start, focus on like just a kitchen or a bath, like just something more niche. More niche. So yeah. you said, so you did say niche and eventually, like you said, start to expand it when you have enough volume coming in. So is there yeah. like a quick, not quick, but what are some more profitable jobs that you could advise that say, okay, if you guys do this, you actually at least build up a lot of revenue from this that you can start to, like you said, invest in new equipment or maybe start to expand the other service. So out of all the different service offerings, what do you find is a let's say a hidden gem or something that a new home renovator should focus on that'll actually give them really good money. Kitchens were the, the big one. 
Oh, yeah. really? Okay. So mm-hmm. yeah, because yeah. I think it kind of makes sense, right? Because especially if you're pushing yourself as a kitchen company first, and that's all you do, especially in that initial phase where you're planning stuff out. And at least we know it's all, all the similar materials, all the similar type of finishes, but at least we know it's all geared towards the kitchens that uh, it makes a, it makes sense. Because I guess if you go in saying, all right, I'm going to do everything. And you're trying to get pricing on different things and then you're running all over the place to try to grab stuff as opposed to saying, okay, we know who our suppliers are. We're going to keep it niche for, like you said, maybe the first year, maybe year two, maybe. And that's a good thing to start with. Oh, interesting. So before I actually put up a website or do anything, how big should my portfolio be? We were not big. You were not big. Okay. Define that. It, well, from the home hardware installs program, we have clients from home hardware that were just property maintenance, right? So we did more commercial little handyman fixing here and there. Take a few photos of those. Know how to describe it. Make it sound very nice. <laughs> Even if it's just, oh, the bed frame is now uh, complete. It's a stunning transformation. Being <laughs> Sudden transformation. I like that. <laughs> yeah, always take the before and after, so it also then looks like there's a lot of photos. <laughs> yes, we have one yeah. job, and it's the exact, it's 20 pictures of one job. That's actually not a bad thing, because especially for some people who, because I think from a lot, maybe this is my ignorance on this one here, because I think if you're starting off small, you cannot offer what I used to, what some runners told me is the Mike Holmes kind of pricing when you're quoting, because, no. you know, that they have, he has a totally different level of resources that he has access to. But you as even as a beginner contractor, you might not have all the relationships. You haven't developed all the relationships. And maybe the only relationship you have is just the Home Depot, you know, pro desk. That might be the only relationship you have in the beginning. So mm-hmm. the idea of, all right, let me just make sure we focus on that. And we can't quote the big big dollars. So having that one job, but taking a lot of photos and you can really see it is not such a bad idea. So no, that's really good to hear. All right. Next question. All right. I want to get in the home renovator business, Farah. What should be the first piece of equipment I should buy? Uh, I think his very first one was the miter saw. A miter saw. $4,000 <laughs> for a miter saw. Wow. Mm-hmm. So what brand? I'm just curious. What brand? That's tool. Yes. I've seen them on Ask This Old House and all those other things. They're very interesting. They're big. I believe big. it is that price. Yeah. Wow. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm assuming people who want to get in this business, they have tools. So obviously you don't suggest, like you said, spending that much money, but I guess you can start with what you have. And once you've have enough capital that if you're going to invest in something, a good miter saw would be really good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. This next question, what I'm trying to see if I can word this correctly. What is the threshold of hiring staff as an employee? Versus keeping them as a contractor, especially in the beginning. In the beginning, my assumption, and I, I said, correct me if I'm wrong, you're starting off as either a one-person shop or maybe you might have family or friends that maybe will help you to get some of these jobs done, especially in the beginning phase, because you can't really pay them. Okay, your salary is going to be this, right? Mm-hmm. Because you have no projections. So is there like a sweet spot that you found when you guys first started where you'd be like, because you said you brought in five people already. When do you start to see, what type of threshold do you be like, okay, we can now offer people to join us a better rate, whether it's an annual salary or whatever. What's your take on So when he first started with all the decks and fences, he was still on his own, sharing everything. And then we had 
one or two guys just because it would be Oliver. You can't drill down very much on, on his own. He's not, he's not a very big guy himself. <laughs> so you do need the physical labor. So at that time, I did have one or two. I'm still trying nowadays, trying to find people on Indeed, except it's very expensive even to just to post an ad on Indeed. <laughs> and then... And in 2016, 20, 2017, the rates are not as crazy as now. <laughs> really? So, so the cost of labor yeah. has gone up pretty much, eh? Oh, yeah. So without getting uh, too specific then, so wh- how much more, how would you guesstimate is the increase of labor, like percentage-wise, labor costs now versus back then? So are you saying that, you said 2016, 2017, the rates were a little bit easier to work with, Indeed wasn't charging so much of a posting fee to post a job. But for nowadays, do you see that it's gone up two times the amount, three times the amount, 50% higher than before? Let me see what I'm doing right now. <laughs> she actually has a calculator, folks, working on this right now. So. <laughs> I have it right here all on my work list. There you go. Around 40%. So now the cost of labor is now 40%. So if you were even trying to hire someone at even the minimum wage at this point, which is what in Ontario, what, $15 or something like that an hour? Yeah. Tack on Uh, 40% just to get that, to try to land that person. Mm -hmm. And okay, wow. So interesting. Whatever you think it is. Okay, too. Sorry? (laughs) Yeah, which is why projects, project prices are also costing so much more for homeowners. Yeah, I can imagine just because like you said, the labor is, so is it hard finding the people or the people, are people showing up to these type of interviews or is it just that you would post a, put a posting on there and just no one's responding or how, how do you see that? Uh, a, bit, a mix of both. We've been very lucky. We found these four guys that are very reliable. They've been working with us for a bit year now. I've, in total last year, I've hired well 15 people mm-hmm. and Ten, ten, obviously, ten of them were didn't continue on with us. Either just poor workman, workmanship, poor performance. Yeah, I was about to say. So, what was the learning experience? So that, like I said, the aspiring owners they know what this type of issue might be, and maybe what can they do to not to avoid it? Because eventually, it'll happen. Especially with a hands-on field like home right. renovations, because you physically see what they're going to be doing. There's a finished product there. So, right. so any tips you can give that person uh, who's trying to hire staff, whether it's on a per job basis or an actual salaried thing, what's the best tip you want to give them? Patience. You need a lot of patience. Yeah. Because it does take time to train someone or if someone that's been doing certain way, maybe wrong or because Joe, Joe is quite picky, which is also why he's successful in doing the renovation and, and delivering the work that he could do. But because of that, it's also why I've had to hire over 15 people and, <laughs> and only able to keep five. <laughs> five, keep five. But hey, those are, those five are like, a di- are like diamonds. You don't want them. Uh, you don't want to. Yeah. Okay. So what about, is there any special insurance for a home renovator? Uh, we have liability insurance. Of course, we have, I believe, I can't remember, was it $2 million or $5 million policy in the case that, and, and for condos, any condo work, you have to have liability insurance or else you won't be able to go in and work in that environment. WSIB, that's always uh, something very important. Uh, yeah. 
Is there a license that you guys have to have or anything like that? I could have sworn there's like a license that you have to pay. Is that uh, still? That is true too. Yes. That's well, the city of Toronto. I also had to jump through hoops for that. Wow. <laughs> they did for a lot of paperwork and they have to make sure that all that is signed correctly and police records and all, all sorts of stuff like that. And you have to remember to renew it. And last year I forgot to renew it. So I had to reapply the whole thing again. Oh my goodness. That's <laughs> so him. Yes. So we were lucky. So they said that you don't have to redo the exam, but you have to reapply for everything. So I have to send in all the paperwork once again. <laughs> oh, sorry, when you say exam, what do you mean exam? An, an exam to to qualify as a, an oral exam where you where it's an interview and they they question you the techniques of certain home building procedures. And oh, like it's, it's literally like an oral exam. Like uh, they're asking yeah. you about your about how to build like. Current building practices, do you know how to do this, that, and the other kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't just oh. pay a fee to say, yep, I want to be a home renovator. Where's the, where do I sign? Okay, here's the money. I'm doing animations, people, so you can't really see this on audio. But I'm doing hand gestures of pretending to write and handing money over. And it's not, so it, that there is that, but there's that oral piece that you got to, are you being, are you talking to a home inspector or just like the permanent department from City of Toronto that's asking you these questions? I believe it was more of a, a permit department. I don't think it was a an inspector. Okay, and they're just yeah. and they're, and that's when they're testing your knowledge on common building practices to make sure that you know what you're talking about. Because I guess if they're gonna if you're gonna be licensed to do this and your work sucks, then yeah, that looks badly upon them. All right, good to know. And also, what has been your best strategy for dealing with difficult clients? Because obviously, for some of the other businesses that that I've had on the in the past few episodes depending on the fees they may not be super high but obviously for home renovation for any type of one you're actually looking at spending you know thousands of dollars so with that like you said you can have the really easygoing client or you can have the really nitpicky difficult client right whether it's because they had bad experiences in the past or whatnot or maybe they've seen too many homes on homes tv shows episodes so how do you deal with that well, lay it all out to them. <laughs> the spreadsheet, can the spreadsheet. That's what you got to show them. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let them know this is the bottom line. Surely there are costs to it, right? We're at the point where we're very fortunate with the, the demand that everyone has a choice. You don't wish to continue. We're okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. So there's that. And let them know that this is not, it's not, if it's, if you were an easy job and please pick up the hammer and do it yourself there are many people who are still like that where oh, this is only a two-hour job right so clearly have, yes so yeah <laughs> that, that's why we want that's why we wanted you guys to come in because we could do it ourselves so that's a very interesting point that uh, yeah pick up the hammer or you can join our crew we'll do it together with you so you can we can work together on that. I, I I don't think any homeowner, to my knowledge, has ever volunteered to be working as a staff, but you never know. Maybe in the future. Okay, so now for some of these other last couple of questions on here, what has been the funniest home reno you've had to work on? Funniest? There's there was this home that it's it's not too bad. It's just the way that the kitchen was set up. The the colors were very sharp. <laughs> and so with the two-tone, usually chips, he's not a very typical guy, this this client of ours. He, I was surprised that they, he, he sold the home. He was able to sell it <laughs> with, with the, uh, the design of the kitchen. It was very flashy. And typically people would do a darker shade, a two-tone 
kitchen with the darker shade on the bottom, white or something light on top. He switched it and then no handles. I, I wouldn't have survived in that kitchen, but yeah. <laughs> you might have to dissect that just a little bit so the listeners understand because you're talking about flashy. Okay, let's start with the first one. No handles. What do you mean? So was everything, like all the cabinets were like push Evil. button? Sorry? Evil. So the edges are actually a pebble. Uh, oh, ledge. so they're pulling from underneath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's not no, the push ones? Not... No. Yeah. And I don't think that one was a push one either. Yeah. Wow. So underneath pull. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So when you mean two tone, you say bottom and top. Explain that to, to some listeners. So when you mean on color, it's supposed to be like darker on the bottom, whiter on the top. Maybe I got the, maybe I got it backwards, but what is considered the bottom? You talk about the tile, the, the floor? The lower cabinets from where I'm underneath the countertop and then there's the upper cabinets, right? Things like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you had a darker tone generally is the darker tone is the bottom and the lighter cabinets are in the upper cabinets are usually a little bit lighter. Is that what you mean? Yeah. And then for some reason, this guy switched it. Switched it. Yeah. Just did all sorts of funky things. Yeah. So and then that, it was that, very high gloss. Usually, people nowadays don't really go for the high gloss, but it was a very high gloss texture. So, bas- so basically, you need to wear sunglasses on a sunny day when you're in that kitchen, because if the sun hits it and it's high gloss, that thing oh, is going to yeah. hit you right in the face, pretty much. Yeah, there is a skylight right in there, too. So. And, a sky- and a skylight. So you need an umbrella to work in there. Okay. So that does, it's, I wish you could have taken a picture of the, of the before after of that one. I would have loved to post it on the social media and say, here's the job that we're, that uh, Farrah was talking about, but let me know if you find pictures for that. All right. Now, last couple of questions we have here. So what is uh, the best work-life balance strategy that you have? Cause you guys are both married. You have a couple of kids. How do you balance that out? Trying to run a business be a wife, and to run the kids at the same time? At the moment, sleep is very compromised, I would say. We could all sleep a little bit more. That's uh, usually what happens on the uh, Saturday and Sunday. We try to make small trips. Jill's the cook. So while he's cooking, then I'm the one who's answering emails, working on quotations. So we all have to contribute. Very lucky to have very healthy grandparents-in-law. So sometimes after they got their, my mom got at that time, two shots were considered fully oh, vaccinated. Yes, yes. Yeah, two weeks right after, I I send them up for a whole week. <laughs> exactly. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Nice. All right, fair. We're basically at eight nights. Sorry. And date nights. Yeah, that's eight. a very good one. I agree. Yeah. I, I attest to that one. It's really important to have a date night, whether it's once a week, once a month, or whatever. As long as you have something where, and the rule that we have, my wife and I have, Mrs. K, we say is, when we have a date night, there is no talking about the children at all. That is the one thing we have to make sure of. If we catch ourselves doing it, we have to make sure we call each other on it if we start to see ourselves doing it. Because how many times have you seen, you know, couples who are used to having, it's all about the kids that when the kids leave, it's like the spouses don't know how to talk to each other. So that's why it's very important to really make sure you have that date night or whatever the case may be. All right. Now it's time for the rapid fire round. We got these last rapid fire questions and we'll wrap it up here, Farah. So far, so good. All right. What would be what would the 15-year-old self, what would you think, sorry, how many were this? What would your 15-year-old self think you'd be doing right now? Oh, just manicures and sitting on the beach, being <laughs> a public place. There we go, manicure. But you can't be a housewife if you're a manicurist as well. So I guess manicurist on the beach. There you go. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> would you rather have no eyebrows or an extra finger? An extra finger. What would you use it for? That is the follow-up. 
Because I always think if you have no eyebrows, you can always draw eyebrows. I just don't know what I would do with an extra finger. Oh, I don't know. There were days that I forget to put on my makeup. No, I can't do it. I'll take the extra finger just so that I can pick stuff. Pick stuff? I thought it was more yeah. to wag stuff. Like, so you're wagging to your, wagging your finger, extra finger to your kids or your husband. So that's what I thought the extra finger was for. But Oh, okay. that's what the other five fingers are for. <laughs> All right. Now, this is a very controversial topic, Farah, and I want to hear your opinion on it. Toilet paper, over or under? Over. Oh, wow. Right? Why? And why? Because yeah. when you fold it, because the outside part of it, it would be exposed. So if you were to fold it in, then the clean side is where it touches your bum. Okay. Does that make Right? So that, that could be it. I'd like to, I always prefer you under. Fold. I just find it easier to pull from under versus over. At least if you have the, the Costco sized toilet papers where sometimes it's, it's almost, it's so fat that as soon as you try to put it into the actual, I don't know what you call it. That when you try to, I, I find out when I try to pull it from the top, it keeps ripping. So that's I, true. that's the that's only, true. that's how I've always been an under one for that one. Okay. So that, aside from that one, what world record do you think you could break? Talking too much. <laughs> Is that a thing? You know what? I would not be surprised if that existed because yeah. I'm sure someone could make something up for, and say, I've done this longer. And I'm sure they'll, they'll validate that. So speaking too much, I might have to check that world record out to see if that exists. But okay, last question here, Farah. I always ask this to all my guests. What is your theme song and why? So you're walking down the street, this song hits. When people hear this song, they know that Farah is coming. Lately, because I'm also the one who's collecting the money. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I do like it. Rihanna, Beach Better, or Beach Better, get my money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have to make this an explicit episode now because she had Sorry. to use the That is okay. You can bleep it out. Yeah, bleep. <laughs> and it's called, what is it called again? It's called the uh, beep, where's my money? Is that what you said? Something like that. Or better have my money. <laughs> okay. By Interesting. Rihanna. There you go. By Rihanna. Excellent. So, yes. all right, fair. Now that we're wrapping up there. Where can people find you guys? CedarstoneRental.com on house, we mentioned, and on Instagram, there's at Cedarstone.Rental, so that's C-E-D-A-R-S-T-O-N-E dot R-E-N-O. Excellent. And your social media handles too, right? Facebook and Reddit, they're all the same? Yeah, they're all the same pretty much. All right, Farah, it was great to have you on the show. So thank you for coming. Thank you very much for having me. All right, that was our interview with Farrah Lee from Cedarstone Renovations. I think we got a lot of nuggets from that particular episode. I think the best tip that I first heard was having a shareable spreadsheet that you can share with your clients. Now, this may be more specifically related to the more home home renovation space, but I'm sure we I'm sure that can translate into other types of businesses. Having I think the main message is to really try to be very clear and concise in communications with your clients. Uh, especially the, those who are going to be investing a lot of money into any particular job or any particular piece of work that you're doing for them. Being clear with them, letting them know here's how it's going so far. And like in this particular space, we talked about having it listed right there that they can see what's currently going on, what have been, what has been ordered specifically for home renovations. So that would be a really good tip to have. Um, I think what's funny would you find once, once you actually start doing well, and in this case, in Ferris' case, in Cedarstone's case, I find that they tripled their sales from last year. And seeing that success 
totally motivate them to even work even harder. I think that's something we should really think about, right? Especially if we actually do really well at some time, we get a better year than the year before. We want, it motivates us more to want to do more. But I also think what's good is that she still, her and her husband, Joseph still have that date night that they do enjoy every so often. So they do have a time to unwind because it is very, it's very easy to go, go, go. But like I said before, this is a marathon. You don't need to sprint. Okay, so, all right, guys, I had a great time recording this episode, and I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it, and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the SME Stories podcast, which is owned by Northway Capital Group. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Northway Capital Group.